Does your romantic relationship need a little attention this year? Or perhaps you're seeing some warning signs that your relationship is in trouble. If you're looking for ways to deepen your connection with the one that you love, this episode is for you. I have on relationship expert, Dr. Bill Henninger, and we discuss what he's learned about relationships from watching The Bachelor. He fills us in on what research says about healthy relationships, some signs to pay attention to that your relationship might be in trouble, and ways to set goals to grow a stronger partnership. There's so much good advice packed into this episode. I think you're really going to like it. Do you want to feel less scattered and more focused, but the idea of planning or goal setting sounds like adding more pressure to your already pressure-filled life? If that sounds like you, welcome to the Plan Goal Plan podcast. I'm Danielle McGue. I'm a professor, mom, and business owner. I started this podcast to help hardworking women and high-achieving mamas plan and set goals playfully and lightly. Unlike pressure-filled approaches, Plan Goal Plan centers on what delights you to help you envision all the possibilities your future holds. If you're ready to try easier, if you're ready to make memories and do meaningful work, grab a pen. I'm going to guide you through practices that will help you plan for clarity, set goals for direction, and act with purpose and delight. Let's get started. I'm so excited to have Dr. William Henninger here, or Bestie Bill, as I like to call him, on Plan Go Plan today. Bill, welcome and thank you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? So, uh, like Danielle said, my name is William Roy Henniger IV, but no one calls me that. No one calls me doctor. No one calls me professor at work. Students, everyone just calls me Bill. So if you see me anywhere, call me Bill. I'm fine with that. Uh, I am the director of the School of Applied Human Sciences at the University of Northern Iowa in the College of Social Behavioral Sciences. And so we currently have family services, gerontology, counseling, textiles and apparel and interior design. Uh, I am a professor in the family services area. Uh, I do research initially around social emotional development in kids. So I did a lot of work with kids with autism um, in the schools, uh, out in the community. How do you help them learn social skills? Um, how do you set them up for success as they become adults? And then I transitioned into doing research on dating. Um, I teach a class called Professional Practice, which is all about the skills you need moving out into the workforce. Uh, we work on resumes, cover letters, how do you negotiate jobs, how do you avoid getting burnt out, uh, and then my other big thing uh, is I teach a class on dating. Um, so the psychology of dating, not like dating success, but the psychology of dating, what works in relationships, what doesn't, and things like that. So I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. So Bill and I have also have a podcast called Bachadamia. So if you are a Bachelor fan and you need a dose of some gossip around The Bachelor, we get on there and we talk about relationships through the lens of The Bachelor. And I also talk a lot about gender and communication um, as we watch The Bachelor. And it is a blast. We do have another co-host, Kim Hanna. Yes, Kim is amazing. Kim is also on the podcast with us. So Bill, my first question for you today is what has The Bachelor taught you about relationships? So that's a really good question because I talk about this in my my dating class, um, you know, where I ask, what do you think? Is it real life? And students are like, oh, no, it's not real life at all. It, it's nothing like real life. And I'm like, yeah, for the most part, it's not because most people don't get to go in a room and have 20 people vying for their hand in marriage. 
but there's a lot of nuts and bolts of relationships that come out to play. Like the breakups follow the same scripts we use. Um, the way that uh, the people get to know each other follow a lot of the same scripts we know people use. They just are on a much faster trajectory. Um, probably the area where it's really different from relationships is where when they break up, it's a forced breakup, right? It's like you have to make this decision now where most relationships you don't have to. And that's why people will date and break up and then be in this hazy gray area with somebody um, for months or years. Um, so, but I think it's also taught us that most people want to be in a relationship. Most people look for someone to spend their life with and share important moments with. Um, and they're willing to do some really weird things like go on The Bachelor. Um, I love it, but I would never want to do it. Oh, that's such a bummer, Bill. I think that you would be fun to watch on The Bachelor. I don't think I would be. Why? I think I wouldn't be very interested. Like, I wouldn't be very interesting from the romantic side because I'm not very competitive. I think I would be entertaining because I would be eating the food when no one else eats it and like making up games and how to, uh, you know, it's like, let's see if we can get this person to like wet the bed by sticking their hand in water or something like that. You would be like the prankster bachelor. Yes. Um, so I have a question. Do you think that the forced decision-making that is part of the show, The Bachelor, do you think that that is a positive thing or do you think that that has some negative effects? I think it probably is positive for some people, but I also think making people make a decision in two weeks is really unrealistic. But I do think if people set like here's a decision time and their relationships, they would get out of them or move on to whatever the logical next step is a lot quicker and be happier. Um, so one thing we know from research is that people who are in arranged marriages tend to actually end up being happier in their marriage because they have less of that. Uh, they have less pressure on them about, do I love this person? Is this person my soulmate? And they look for somebody who's a good partner in life. And so I feel like if people had decision points, then it would be like, I need to decide if this is the person that I want to move on to the next step with instead of, is this my soulmate and I have to be with them for forever? So, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense to me. So you've already pointed this out a little bit, but what does relate, what does research tell us about healthy relationships? Like what skills do people in healthy relationships have? Right. So the biggest thing is they communicate. Uh, what I always tell students in class is that does not mean that they are always nice to each other. It does not mean that they always agree with each other. It means that they communicate and that they argue, um, but they argue in a way that is fair. Uh, so one of the things I always tell students is to find somebody who fights fair and fights in a way that you can come to a good um, conclusion that you both feel like it's moved your relationship forward. So there are people who don't yell very much. Their arguments are really, you know, mellow um, and they're happy. There are people who yell at each other, uh, but it's in a fair fight. They don't feel like they're demeaning. The partner doesn't feel like they're being demeaned. And then they come to a good conclusion. And so finding someone who can fight fair, um, finding someone who will communicate with you and then somebody who thinks of you as like we um so they make decisions about your relationship the best interest of your relationship instead of their best interest and hoping that you'll agree with it so yeah that's those are the healthy skills people have a lot of the other ones are are interesting and they're kind of preferences right so i may want someone who's really funny but someone else might not i may want somebody who's really athletic but for someone else it 
might not. Yeah, yeah I like that. And I, I really like kind of drawing attention to the fact that fair fighting might look different for different people or good conflict will look yeah. different for different people. And just trying to figure out what is maybe your preferred conflict style and make sure that that style meshes with whoever it is that you're partnered with. That's why I always, I tell students like that are like, I'm 20 and I've met my soulmate. I'm like, you should probably break up with them, date like 12 other people, and then see if you still want to date that person. Because I feel like the only way you understand what's best for you when it comes to uh, positive conflict is, you know, seeing what works, what doesn't. And you probably got some things that you don't do real well. Um, and having people tell you that's not really a fair way to fight. So I think you should date a lot of people and break up a lot of people. Great. So it's like the the experimental model of relationships. You cast out a few <laughs> experiments and some fail and you'll see if any succeed. Now, this kind of touches on this a little bit, but are there different skills that are called for at different points in one's relationship? So for example, if you're just starting dating, mm-hmm. are there things that you should be focusing on that might be a little bit different than skills that you would want to have if you've been married, say, for 10 years? Yeah, well, <clears throat> so yes, I mean, early on, you, you're getting to know each other, probably being able to deal with some of the quirks of people and understand that that's who they are and being willing to accept them um, are important early on. Being a good listener um, and being able to ask as many questions as you answer is pretty big. But then as you get further in a relationship, depending on what your relationship holds, you need different skills, right? So if you have kids, that is a totally different skill set than your first year of marriage. Um, If you have one partner gets sick, being a caretaker, you know, that's a totally different skill set. Or if you have a family member get sick and you need to go take care of that family member, you know, those are all really different skill sets that we need. And they're ones that aren't predictable. You do need those at different points and you just need to communicate. Um, So during COVID, my wife had to go stay with a friend for about six weeks um, because they had a pretty big tragedy that happened. And uh, it wasn't easy uh, because no one wants to live separately. But, you know, we communicated our communicated our way through it. And it was like, well, they need you. You are really skilled for this. Yeah, it sucks. And there's not a real well-defined end date, but I also know that, you know, you're doing something that's important. And so we, we talked through it, we communicated through it and it turned out well, but that's like not a skill set I needed in our fourth date. Right. Like, and I was just being really charming and funny and, uh, you know, It's kind of interesting, Ryan, my partner, and I recorded an episode uh, about the book, The Molecule of More, which Mm -hmm. the molecule is dopamine. And in it, the authors talk a lot about dopamine and relationships and sex, actually. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they said is that at the start of relationships, you really are looking for dopamine drips, right? So the novelty, the excitement, and, and you kind of rely on that. But after about nine months, your body kind of shifts into releasing different chemicals, which are like serotonin and oxytocin. And that like, you really have to shift from this sort of like excitement that you find in novelty to like finding contentment in sort of like the long-term stuff. And so I thought that was really fascinating because from like a communication perspective, or I think the way that you study relationships as well, 
thinking about you know like the different skills at different times also sort of like match the dopamine and different chemical releases that maybe are happening at different times yeah so i'm not a neuroscientist but i so it's not my area of expertise but um i've seen research on that and there's pretty good evidence that there's this like kind of you're in it people give you these warm mushy feeling when you start with them you're really attracted when you see them um and then as you move out you get that feeling of contentment and somebody that you can rely on which is also a really important thing right and so um i think sometimes uh specifically in the us and how we view love we think of it as it always has to be this like ludic love where you know i look at you and my heart just melts and what we find is that's just not sustainable um and people who still chase that end up in relationships that end kind of poorly cuz they end up cheating on their spouse or they get divorced real quick. Um, and so being able to identify that, yeah, relationships are going to change and they, you're not always going to probably have that passionate, crazy love all the time, but you're going to find other things that are really important. Honestly, as you get older, those things are more important, right? We need someone there. That's our person that's there to comfort us that we can rely on when we're sick or something like that. So. Yeah, Absolutely. So one thing that I'm really excited about is I have released a new product on plangoalplan.etsy.com and it is a couple's goal setting workbook. And it has all sorts of worksheets that you can fill out either separately and then come together with your partner to discuss and that, or work on together to help set not only your personal goals, but also your couple goals, your hour goals. So to kind of go back, you said that using we and thinking as we is a really important thing. And so I think that these worksheets really help you think as a we. And what I wanted to ask you today is what are three relationship goals that you think would be good ones for people to set? Right. So uh, the research around this, there's a, a person named Gottman and he has an institute and he is kind of the Rolls Royce of, uh, you know, what makes couples tick, what makes them do well and what makes them not do well. And so he's he's got some some things in there that I think are just kind of big hallmarks that you could set goals around. One is he has he calls them the four horsemen of um based off the four horsemen of the apocalypse. So he calls them the four horsemen. And generally when he finds these in relationships, they're on their way to a divorce or a separation. And so setting goals around not criticizing your partner unfairly, um, not having contempt for your partner. Um, if your partner comes to you with an issue, not being defensive, which is hard, right? When, when I think I've done something wrong, I want to explain myself, but that's not always what is needed in a relationship. Um, and then not stonewalling. So that means when your partner comes to you, not saying fine, whatever, fine, and walking off. Um, and so first, a goal would be to identify if you're doing those things. Um, and then second would be, how am I going to address them? He also has something called the golden ratio. Um, and it is essentially couples that do really well um, complement their partner seven times more than they criticize them. And so it's easy to say, well, I want to do that more. But if we're thinking about goal setting, it would be like, I'm going to find ways to complement them every day um, and make sure that I'm in that ratio. Now, it's not like a magic one where if you go off one day, but compliments are a habit and criticizing is a habit. And so if you can get better at planning and being intentional about those things with your partner, it's going to become a habit. And so it'll 
give benefits moving um, through. So the first one would be identify if you have the four horsemen of the apocalypse. The second one would be identify how you're going to not do those things. Um, and so that might be um, when I start to criticize my partner, I'm going to take a couple minutes and think, what is the issue here? Um, because if you have a problem with your partner, you need to bring it up. The difference is saying, you know, this is really bothering me. Can we talk about it? The other one is you're dumb because you didn't take the trash out. One's criticizing. One is looking for a mutual um, a mutual way of working together. Um, so those are two. And then the last one I would suggest to everybody is, you know, find ways to compliment your partner way more. And it doesn't have to be like you look nice. You know, your hair is great. Complimenting can be doing an act of love for him. Um, so what I always say is my spouse, she loves to have her sheets wash. She likes clean sheets, but she's not a big fan of doing it herself. So anytime she goes out of town, I make sure that I clean all the sheets, comfort her everything, make the bed. So when she comes home, she has clean sheets, clean bed. It takes me like 12 minutes, but it means a lot to her, right? And mm -hmm. so that's an easy way to let your partner know that I'm involved. I'm doing the things you like and, you know, I'm reacting to what you need. So, so I don't know if I've ever shared this with you. So y'all that are listening to this, Bill really is my bestie. And his wife is a good, good friend of mine as well. And one thing that I do think that I've learned from the two of you um, is to pay attention to how I talk about my partner, how I talk about Ryan to mm -hmm. other people as well. So that the complimenting isn't always just about how I talk to Ryan about Ryan, but it's also about how I talk to others about him. And you two are so wonderful at when you talk about each other, it's so, it's so complimentary. It's so supportive oh, and you. it's, it's really lovely. And I noticed that fairly early on in our friendships. And I do think that it's something that I started to pick up on and learning and started to adopt myself. So I think that, you know, just being friends with you all and listening to the way that you all partner oh. together and talk about each other, that I think it has had a positive relationship on my or positive effect on my own relationship because I could, mo you all were good models. You were good for <laughs> models. And so I, I don't know if I've ever shared that with you, but no, you haven't, that, but that just made my day. Yay. It's something that I've definitely noticed. And so, yeah. So when I think about a relationship goal um, and of complimenting, I do think that it's not only what you say to your partner, but how you talk about your partner when they're not there. Elaine has said, if you really wanted to work that golden rule, if you were going to say something mean to your partner, you would like get five real good compliments in. So you'd be like, your hair looks nice. Your shoes look nice. Good job brushing your teeth. You suck. But then you'd be like, I'm within the, I don't think it works that way, but <laughs> I thought that would be an interesting way to play it. It's like the sandwich method where you're like, yeah. I'm going to give you feedback. Here's a compliment. Yeah. Here's a critique. Here's a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I love that. Any other advice that you have on setting relationship goals? Uh, the best time to do it was, you know, at the start of your relationship, the next best time to do it is right now. And sometimes it seems, and, and so I should say from listening to your podcast and being your friend, like my willingness and my understanding of goals and how they, um, how they uh, go about or how, how they're useful um, has been really, I've, I've gotten so much better at it and being intentional about things. And so actually the podcast about rituals, um, I never really realized how important they were. Um, and so I've, I've put several in and it's really helped me in my work with like writing and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, 
setting goals in a relationship can seem daunting. And it's also scary, right? Because you're talking to your partner and they may be like, that's a bad idea, but you will not have success if you're not doing those things to, you know, constantly make sure your relationship is, is moving forward. Um, and so the best day to do it is now um, and find something you want to work on. It doesn't have to be big. That's the other thing. It's a momentum thing. You know, find something little um, that you two can work on together to improve your relationship. If it's money, great. If it's, you know, health, you know, some couples are like, we want to get healthy together. Great. You don't got to join a gym, go on a walk every day. You'll find walking is a really good conversation piece. Some of the best conversations I've ever had have when I've been out on a walk with somebody because you're doing something side by side. And so it's less daunting to um, have a conversation than being face to face. So setting goals with your partner can be fun, right? And they can be delightful. And so when you mentioned the rituals episode, that made me think like you can pair some of your goal setting work with your partner or your goals can be delightful, right? That I think we have this idea of goals being like something that you're striving and striving is work and effort and it's not always fun, but maybe it really is, hey, you know, we're going to sit down and we are going to work through some of these tough things, but we're going to do it at our favorite restaurant and then we're going to throw axes together <laughs> afterwards. I don't know. You know, um, so I think that you can uh, pair it with things that you know that you enjoy and it can become like a really meaningful time that you have together. And sometimes like relationship goals are just like, let's spend time together. Right. Yeah. Like right after we had kids, it was a huge shock for us because we've been, you know, married yeah. for 10 years and we had all this time together and we were like, marriage is easy. We got this. And we have kids. Yeah. And we're like, oh gosh, like, yeah. what is happening? And, you know, for us, we, you know, we have weekly mini dates where we might only get to spend like 30 minutes together. And then we try to have maybe once a month, a time that we have a sitter and we can actually go do something. And that's something that we really, really look forward to. But, you know, on those, you know, those dates, the mini dates, especially might also be times that we check in with each other or times that we say, hey, you know, this thing's happening and I need your support on it. Or can we shift how we do this because it's not really working for me? Um, That's also opportunities for us to have sometimes those difficult conversations. I had a colleague, um, one of my favorite colleagues, she's retired now, but when I came in, she was a bit more advanced in her career. And um, so we worked on some stuff together and we became really good friends with her and her husband. And uh, they had a ritual every Friday night, they would order pizza. Um, And it was their way of getting ready for the weekend because she was very big on, you know, the weekend is for my family. Um, But that time was for her and her husband to get their minds right. And so they actually like they would put the kids to bed and then they would order. So the kids were not part of this ritual. Um, So the kids would go to bed. They would order the pizza when the kids got old enough that they were staying up they would rent them a movie and they would put them in another room and they would order a pizza just for them. And they would sit down on Friday night and they would have their pizza and all the way up until she retired, like every Friday, you want to do something? No, well, it's Bob and I's pizza night. So we'll meet you up after, but we're going to do our uh, pizza ritual. And I always thought it was a really cool way um, for them to have time together, but then set intention, which is what you talked about with the rituals. You know, it was like, this is going into our weekend and uh gets us mentally prepared for this um and you know we're work is shut down now we move to the next thing so that's great and like just saying hey we're gonna take some time and it's our time right so we do care about our family but 
we also care about us yeah. <laughs> and that's important. And so we're yeah. going to create time and honor that. And I think that in and of itself is really important. So before we finish up today, Bill, yeah. any planning hacks? You juggle a lot. You juggle a lot in the position that you're in. I know that you know you you all have a lot going on in your lives. How do you, how do you manage it all? Well, the first thing, the big hack is we don't have kids, and so <laughs> I, I recognize that I have excess time that all of my friends that have kids uh, don't have. That being said, I do I do have a good amount of stuff going on, and I try to keep busy. My big thing is if I'm going to do something, I try to get all of the barriers out of the way um, that would stop me from doing it. And so um, I get up and I work out in the morning, uh, not right now because I just had knee surgery, um, but I lay my stuff out. I pack my lunch the night before. Um, that's kind of my my thing. And then it's like what I can do is be like, oh, where'd my shorts go? I'm going to have to find them. It's like they are there. I lay them in a very obnoxious place so that like. I'm going to have to move them if they're not there. And I'm going to have to explain why I didn't go. Um, and that's been something that's worked really well for me. If I come into work, um, you know, with my planner, which I didn't start doing until I became friends with Danielle, but um, I, my planner is the first thing that comes out. I lay it on my desk um, and then it's staring me in the face. And so basically just making sure that anything that could stop me from doing what I want to do and what I need to do is kind of removed from the situation. It's not, a big deal. Oftentimes it's like, takes me what, three minutes, two minutes to do it, but it's made a world of difference in, in everything that I do, just removing those little barriers. So I'm a creature I, of habit. I love that you remove barriers, but you also create barriers with <laughs> yeah. the thing that you want to do. So you, you make a barrier, yes. the thing that you want to do becomes a barrier so, <laughs> Um, that you have to, I have to look at my planner. I have to like move my shorts if I don't do it. So I, I like that. Well, thank yeah. you so much for taking time to do this, Bill. It's always fun. Thank you. This has been a life dream of mine to be on your podcast. So <laughs> I'm very, I'm very honored. Thank you, Bill. Thanks, Danielle. Today's episode was so fun to record. To recap, we have relational scripts that you can see play out on reality TV. So you can learn about relationships, even when reality TV doesn't feel all that real. And if you're looking to strengthen your relationships first, learn to recognize the warning signs that your relationship is in trouble. So pay attention to criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling, and then have plans for when these red flags pop up. So what are you going to do if you start seeing any of these warning signs? How are you going to address them? Because there are antidotes to these. Bill recommends that you check out the Gottman Institute for additional resources. Also, compliment your partner, pay attention to how you talk about them when they are not around, and develop some couple rituals that are fun, fulfilling, and create opportunities for you to spend time with each other. And remember all the reasons that you love each other. I hope that this episode gave you some ideas to strengthen your partnership, that you can deepen your love and connection to one another. I wish for you healthy, thriving, and joyful companionships. If this podcast has inspired you, guided you, or just made you laugh, the number one way that you can thank me is by leaving a written review for the show over on Apple Podcast. I'm seriously tickled every time that I hear from you all, so pop onto Instagram and follow Plan Go Plan and digital message me. I want to say hello. I want to geek out about all things planning and goal setting. Keep sensing the possibilities, y'all.